All right, good evening. Let's get started. Welcome to Christmas Eve 2021. I promise not to keep you too long because I know Christmas Eve is the time to be home making last-minute preparations for maybe a gift that you absolutely forgot to get. Somebody's coming over you didn't expect and you're rushing around trying to get things done for either later tonight or tomorrow morning. So, a small boy was writing a letter to God about the Christmas presents that he badly wanted. I've been good for six months, he wrote. But after a moment's reflection, he scratched that out and put three months. After a pause, he, he crossed that out and put down two weeks. There was another pause, and that was crossed out too. He got up from the table and went over to the nativity scene where the figures of Mary and Joseph were. He picked up the figure of Mary, wrapped it gently in a cloth, and he put it in a drawer in his room. He then went back to writing and started again. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> well, let's pray for this evening and see what God has for us. Father, we thank you for your presence here tonight, that you are the light, that Jesus is the light that you sent into this dark world so that we could be restored back to you, made right, given life that is abundant and free and eternal. And Father, we thank you for that gift this evening. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. It was Thursday, August 14th, 2003. When Dr. Tony Evans and his wife Lois were at LaGuardia Airport on their way home from a bit of R&R in their favorite place, New York City. Now, if you've been to New York City, you might love the lights, the fanfare, the city, the nonstop activity. My personal favorite is Central Park. You could leave me in Central Park all day and all night. I love Central Park. It's a beautiful park. Well, they were on their way back to Dallas, and it was about 4 in the afternoon. They pulled up to curbside check-in at LaGuardia, and they noticed that there was a long line at curbside check-in. So they got in line with everyone else, and after about 20 minutes, there was no movement, and Dr. Evans brank, uh, broke ranks, and he walked to the front of the line to find out why the line wasn't moving, only to discover from the baggage handler that the airport had no power. Nothing was working. The computers weren't working, the magnetometers, you know, those, uh, those scanner things that you walk through. Communications, apart from some key backup systems, were all down. So they stood along with thousands of others stuck because nothing was working. Now, after a while, about two hours later, they were told that there had been a problem in Canada. And the problem in Canada that was one of their, their grids, their power grids, had shut down and it had, had a, a cascading effect down at the East Coast. They were stuck in the middle of the blackout of 2003. And you can see in that picture that in the area where New York would be, it is completely dark all the way up into Canada. The East Coast went dark. If you're old enough to recall, <laughs> that was quite an experience. As the hours of waiting marched on, dusk began to set in, and it became clear that this problem was much bigger than that was originally thought. It would be two days, in fact, before power was fully restored to New York City. 
And so the announcement came out that the airport was shutting down. They could take no planes in, and no planes could go out. There was no power to move forward. Caught now in a dilemma with thousands of other travelers, they needed a place to stay. And so Dr. Evans got on the phone back to his assistant in Dallas and, and asked her to find them a place to stay. She called back 15 minutes later and said, there is one room at the Crown Plaza LaGuardia. One room. It's the only room available. They will hold it for you for 10 minutes. They quickly found a cab as fast as they could. It was now dark. There were no street lights as they got to the Crown Plaza. They walked inside of the Crown Plaza, which was now lit by candlelight because there was no power in New York City. They registered by hand because the computers were not working. And they were led by flashlight up to their room, where they were left to use candlelight to find their way around in the darkness. Going to bed was their only plan, so that they could be ready in the morning with hopes that tomorrow would be a better day. And that's when it happened. His wife wanted to see if they could open a window since there was no air conditioning and it was summertime. She wanted to let in some cool night air. And so she pulled back the curtain only to discover that immediately across the street was a Marriott hotel that was completely lit up. The Marriott was lit up. There were lights, there was music, there was a whole lot of joy going on across the street. And where they were, it was just darkness. So Dr. Evans said he didn't understand how there could be so much light in the middle of so much darkness. So they decided to make their way downstairs because obviously they were in the wrong hotel and to, and to make their way across the street. As they did so, they discovered that houses weren't lit. That stores weren't lit, that the airport was not lit, that their hotel was not lit. But this Marriott, this Marriott hotel was lit up. So they went across the street and into the air-conditioned Marriott Hotel. They had TVs lining the foyer with CNN, CNN talking about how dark New York City was, as though no one didn't already know that. They got in line for hot food, which was not being served at their hotel because there was no power there. After asking around... He finally found the assistant manager, and he asked him, I, I, I don't understand. Help me to understand. How can there be this much light in the middle of this March darkness? And he said, you know, I've been asked that question all day. And the answer is fairly simple. When we built this hotel, we built it with a gas generator. Therefore, we are not dependent on what's happening out there to determine what is going on in here. We got something in here that, because it's not dependent on what's going out there, gives us in here what they do not possess out there. They had something built in which gave them the ability to transcend the darkness. Jesus came into the world to dispel darkness. Amen? Amen. John says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Later on in that chapter, verse 19, he says, The verdict is that light has come into the world. Earlier in his gospel, John says, His life is the light that shines through the darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. In the northern hemisphere where we are, in December, we have a winter solstice. 
The winter solstice was this past Tuesday on the 21st. The solstice marks the longest night of the year and the shortest day. It's followed by Christmas and a season of light. You see, when everything gets dark and is at its darkest, all of a sudden the world lights up. When it looks like the power is out, there is light shining in the darkness. You and I are living in dark times when those that don't know the light are living in fear. Fear from COVID and its many variations. Or faced with relational struggles or financial struggles or health struggles. You pick the area. This isn't news, by the way. How dark were the times for Mary and Joseph that no one would help a woman in labor? Times had to be dark for Mary and Joseph. You mean to tell me that no one would let a pregnant woman who was giving birth inside to at least give birth on a clean spot of floor? But however the dark days were then, they were brightened by the light of that first Christmas morning when Jesus was born. Paul says in Romans, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, which also means that Christ was born at just the right time for us, and light came into the world. But some people don't know that they are in the dark. You know what we call those people? Well, blind. They can't see the light. They can't physically see the light. But there is something even worse, spiritual blindness. You're in a mess of trouble and you don't even know it. But Jesus came into the world to change that. In Luke, Jesus said these words as he read from the scroll. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The first five verses of John read this way. In the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He has always been alive and is Himself God. He created everything. Did you know that? That Jesus created everything? That's what John says. Paul says it later on in Colossians. Eternal life was in him, and he gives light to all mankind. His life is the light, and it shines through darkness, and that darkness can never extinguish it. He's not talking about physical darkness here, obviously. He's talking about spiritual darkness. When I'm separated from God is when I am spiritually dark. When you are separated from God, you are trying things on your own. You are in spiritual darkness. It's why things don't make sense to you, why you can't figure it out, why you say, why is this happening to me? Because you're in spiritual darkness at that point. For some of you, 2021 is a very dark year. Let's just be honest, you're glad, you're glad it's over. You're looking forward and hope to 2022 that it's going to be a better year. Some of you had relational crises with your husband or your wife or, or your children or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Some of you had a death of a loved one. You went through cancer treatments or you had some disease. There are a lot of different things. Maybe you went through a conflict. It's been a tough year. But God has saved the very best for last. And at the end of this year, he wants to light up your life with his light on Christmas Eve. And he's brought you here to this place tonight. I want to make you a guarantee. If you will listen for the next few minutes, 
and you'll think about what we are talking about, what the Bible says, and you'll open up your life to the light of God's love. Fully value the gift that God has given. You will enter 2022 with a new level of brightness and clarity and understanding that you would not think possible if you'll just let God have his life in you. I realize that each of us came to church tonight for Christmas service for different reasons. Some of you come and have come out of tradition. It's a traditional thing to do. You go to church on Christmas Eve. Some of you come out of habit. You're a regular part of the church family, and you're here. Some of you come because you were begged by your girlfriend or, or, or your boyfriend to be here, or your mom or your wife or your husband. Some of you, honestly, you really felt pressured into being here. You felt obligated. I don't care why you came. I can tell you this, though. You're not here by accident. God wanted you here. Before you were born, he knew that you would be here today, Christmas Eve in 2021, because he wants to light up your life with something that you could never even imagine, the light of his love. So tonight I want us to begin with a very simple little prayer. I want us to pray that prayer. Let me say this prayer aloud and you can pray it in your mind. God, I don't know why I'm here tonight, but I ask you to shed your light on me. A little light on me so I can see you better. Myself better so I can see the future better. That's our goal for you tonight. Our goal is that God would shed his light on you and you would understand him in a way that you have never understood him before. According to the Gallup poll taken in 2016, 89% of Americans still say, I believe in God. So that means that most people in America would know why we celebrate Christmas, or they would know what happens at Christmas. But I would ask you, do you know the reasons why Jesus came? Do you know why he has come and done what he has done? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because once you understand what Jesus Christ came to do, you're going to get real excited about Christmas. And not only that, you're going to want to love God, and you're going to want to know Him, and you're going to want to trust Him, and you're going to want to understand Him as He sheds light into your life because of the five reasons that Christ came, at least the five I'm going to share with you tonight, the reasons we celebrate Christmas. It's all for your benefit. Jesus said, I came as a light into the world. So to help you to remember the different ways Jesus wants to help you, I'm going to use an acrostic, light, L-I-G-H-T, and we're going to look at each letter of that word. So let's start. He came to light up our minds and let us know what God is all about. Well, light up my mind? What do you mean, Jim? Well, have you ever had a flash of insight and said it was like a light bulb that went off in my head? They call that in enlightenment. All of a sudden, something you couldn't figure out before, all of a sudden it makes sense. That happened to me in math class all the time. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I'd wake up with an engineering problem I had been thinking about all night, and immediately I got the answer. And all of a sudden, it made sense. I understood it. And I knew why something was happening in my life. Now, I can see what God is doing. All of a sudden, you understand it. The first benefit of knowing Jesus Christ is that confusion is replaced with clarity in your life. Things get a whole lot clearer. You can see yourself clearer. You can see God clear. You can see life clear. You can see problems clear. You can see people clear. Other people's problems clear. Notice what Jesus said in John 12. He says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer wander in the darkness. 
Jesus said, I don't want you to be in the dark. I don't want you to be in the dark about life, about yourself or your problems. Most of all, I don't want you to be in the darkness about what God is really like. Jesus Christ came to the earth to show us what God is really like. Some of you are afraid of God, but Jesus Christ did not come to earth to scare us, but to save us. Here's the second reason. He came not only to light up our lives, he came to tell us the truth. He does that by informing us that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Did you know that before you were born, God thought of a purpose for your life? Before you were ever born, God created you for a purpose. You're not here by accident, no. There may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. Maybe your parents didn't plan you, but God did. I don't care if you were good parents or bad parents. The truth is God knew exactly what your DNA would be when he created you. And he even uses human error to do that. God, the Bible says, planned the days of your life while you were in your mother's womb, before you were even born. Psalm 136, 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Before you were ever born, I thought it up. He says, I want you to know it. And I want you to know the truth about who you are and about what that purpose is for your life. You ever get tired of people lying to you? You go to work, nobody tells you the truth. You expect them to. You, you flip on the news and you know none of that's true. You can't believe a single word you hear. Sometimes even your friends don't want to tell you the truth because maybe they're afraid they'll lose the friendship if they do. When there's something messed up in your life, but they don't want to say anything. They want to be politically correct, dance around the issue. They, they, they want to tell you the truth. There's only one person who will always share the truth with you, and that's God. He'll always tell the truth. He can't do anything but. Some people think it's judgmental if you tell people the truth. But Jesus said to Pilate in John 18, I came into the world to tell people the truth. Now, we oftentimes do it in the worst of ways and not as we should. John Lennon wrote these words. He said, I've had enough of reading things by neurotic, psychotic, pig-headed politicians. Amen to that. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. He was looking for truth in his life. Number three, I came to guard and guide your steps. John 8, 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. He says, I want to light up your path. I want to direct your life. I want to be your guiding light. I don't want you to live in some sort of soap opera. If you caught that little connection there to the guiding light, I don't even know if that show is still on. The guiding light. I always watch General Hospital myself. That's what was on in college when I was there, and everybody would rush in. They were hooked on, I can't even remember the names of the characters, but everybody was hooked on General Hospital. He doesn't want your life to be a soap opera. God can see further than you and I can. So let me ask you a question. What are you having a hard time figuring out in your life? You've got some problem in your life right now. Everybody does. Your life is a series of problems. You're either in a problem now, coming out of a problem, or about to go into one. Congratulations, you've got problems. So does everyone else. What is it that you can't figure out right now? You say, I just can't. I can't see it. I don't understand it. What do you do when you can't see what you can't work out? You flip on the switch and you turn on the light. God's light in this case. And that switch 
for turning on the light of God's life is what we call faith. When you say, God, I don't know what it is that's going on right here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next semester in school. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this next job. I can't figure it out, but I'm going to trust you. Because when you know the light, he gives you a promise. He says, if you, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, you trust me, I will not let you put your foot in the wrong spot. Boom, you just flipped on the switch. Having a problem in your marriage, flip on that switch. Trust God as you walk through that. You ask Jesus to help you trust him, and he will. This is the fourth reason we celebrate Christmas, and this one's really good news. Jesus said, I didn't come just to, to guide your life, to tell you the truth, to show you my plan. I came to heal your hurts. This one's big. The older I get, the more people I have talked to, I've discovered one thing. Everybody has a hidden wound. Everybody. Everybody has a place that's hurting, that's hidden from everybody else. It's a hidden wound. It may be hidden well. You appear sophisticated, cool on the outside. You're hip. You've got it all together, supposedly. Of course, we all know that we don't have it all together because we all have a wound like that. You may appear sophisticated and successful, but on the inside, there's a hurt that won't heal. It may be something that happened a long time ago, something that was said to you and it hurt, something that was done to you and it hurt, something that was done to you that should have never been done and it hurt. Or maybe it's a hurt that you've caused and you're living with regret and, and shame and the guilt that comes from that and you're hiding that in the closet. You don't want anybody to know about it because it's painful and it's embarrassing, but it still hurts. Then at Christmas we come and it's supposed to be this happy time. We say this is the season to celebrate, the season of good cheer, but in reality a lot of people at, at Christmas are lonely and a lot of people at, at Christmas are hurting. A lot of people at Christmas are going to hang out with family members and there are going to be some unresolved issues and they may come to the surface. Could get ugly. Not everyone has a Hallmark card family. My mother has a sign in her kitchen that says, Remember, as far as anyone knows, we are a nice, normal family. Right? <laughs> but here's the good news. No matter what you are hurting with, Jesus Christ can heal it. Resentment, worry, guilt, fear, bitterness, boredom, whatever it is, Jesus Christ can heal your hurt. He is the light of the world. That's why Jesus came to save us. The Bible says in John 12, For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to tell you that you're a bad person. I didn't come to put you down. I came to save you. You need a Savior. That's why the angel at the first Christmas said, I bring you tidings of great joy. For unto you is born at this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You hear people use this phrase, I'm saved. What does that mean? Were they drowning or something? What does it mean to be saved? It means to be saved to do what God wants you to do. Salvation is a means to freedom. You're set free. But that freedom comes at a cost. Yet it was our grief, Isaiah tells us, he bore. Our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed so that we are healed. The Bible says this in Psalm 103. He forgives all my sins and he heals me. That's all of my sins. It's through forgiveness of sins that we find emotional healing. You know, most of the world's remedies for emotional hurts, they don't work because they're just dealing with the symptom. 
They just cover up. They just smooth over the issue, and they never get to the root cause of what's going on. Well, there's one more reason. This is maybe the best of all. They build on each other. He came to show us and to, to light up our minds so that we could know what God is like. He came to inform us that God has a plan for our lives. He came to guide our steps. He came to heal our hurts. And he came to transform our lives. Jesus said a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I came to give life. Notice he says life, not religion. Life at its fullest. Better life than you've ever dreamed of. Unfortunately, most people never really learn how to live. They're just existing from day to day. So Jesus comes to offer three kinds of life. New life, abundant life, and eternal life. He's the only God who takes care of your past, your present, and your future. New life. He says, I want to give you new life. That means everything that you've ever done wrong is completely forgiven and forgotten. He wipes the slate clean. You get a fresh start. Doesn't mean there aren't consequences you have to deal with, but what a deal. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm born again? What does that mean? It, it, it's like some sort of spooky uh, reincarnation thing. No, it just means that that person has said, Jesus, give me a fresh start in life. Everything I've done prior to when I stepped across the line is forgiven and forgotten and wiped out. And Jesus says, let's just start over. Let's just begin again. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, and he gets back up. Second, he says, I want to give you abundant life. What is that? Well, it's a life of meaning and purpose and significance. You were made for more than survival. You were made for more than success. You were made for significance. Jesus calls it abundant life. It's living a life of values and of meaning and of your significance. It's when they all come together, and you're living a life that God meant for you to live. Then he says, and by the way, I'm going to throw in eternal life. What a deal. That's God's retirement plan. He says, we're going to take care of your past, your present, and your future. That's my Christmas gift to you in Jesus Christ. And God says, for he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Who in the world would turn down something like that? Those who undervalue the gift that God is giving to them. The early Christians didn't say in dismay, look what the world has come to. But in delight said, look at what has come in to the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Worship team, you can make your way back up. There was a man from India who was a devout member of a Hindu sect and who had a profound sense of reverence for life. He wouldn't even kill an ant, certainly not a cow or a cobra, because to him, due to his belief in reincarnation, he might be killing some past relative. And during his visit to America, he had been confronted with the claims of Christianity and of Christ. And he could not grasp the biblical truth that God actually visited this planet in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He could not comprehend that God, the Creator, the God of the universe, would come down as a man. Or why? One day he was walking in a field meditating upon this new truth about Jesus Christ being God. And he was wondering how this could possibly be. He ran across a large anthill with thousands of little ants scurrying around in their busy-like manner. Fascinating to watch if you ever get the opportunity. He was standing there observing with wonder the activity of these ants. 
And what amazing creatures they are. When suddenly he heard a tremendous and threatening noise. It was the noise of a large tractor plowing the fields. And as he looked, he discovered that that tractor would soon be plowing through that anthill. And thousands of ants would probably die and their home would be destroyed. Gripped with the same kind of concern that you and I might have for hundreds of people trapped in a burning building, he became frantic. He wanted to warn them of their impending doom and destruction. He thought to himself, how can I warn them? I could write it in the sand, but they wouldn't be able to read it. If I shouted to them, they wouldn't be able to understand me. The only possible way I can communicate with them would be to become an ant. If I had that ability, then suddenly he had a revelation from the Spirit of God. A light went off. He saw why God, the creator of the universe, chose to become one of us by becoming a man. In the person of God, Jesus the Son of Nazareth. Through his experience with the anthill, the light suddenly came on in his heart of that Hindu man. And now he understood the words of Paul. And so when Paul said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took on the humble position of a slave as a human being. And he was born as a human being. And so light has come into the world. Don't despise the gift that God is offering you today, the light of the world, an ability to change your perspective on everything. And it's as simple as saying, God, I need that. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm tired of thinking the way I've been thinking. I'm tired of this heaviness that I just cannot shake. I need peace. I need the light of your love in my life. Forgive me the things I've done wrong. I want you as the Lord and Savior in my life. Come into my life. If you pray that prayer, you will go into 2022 with a whole new perspective and be able to live life to its fullest. Faith Fellowship, know that God is for you and not against you. Amen. totally sure how it goes, but they're all going to be lit.
Father, we thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you that you spared nothing in sending your son, that you have given us great gifts. Father, we thank you for them, that you've given them freely, because there's no way we could pay for them. We thank you that all we got to do is say thank you and accept them. And you will change our lives and keep on giving a gift that doesn't end until we are in your presence. We thank you for this gift so freely given and for our ability to enjoy it and to enjoy you and to be reunited with you in a relationship the way it was meant to be. Father, we thank you that you heal all things. We thank you for all these things. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a Merry Christmas and a good evening.